Welcome back to Series 3 of the Huxley Morton Podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. In this series, we've got loads of exciting guests coming up for you, a brand new co-host for various episodes, and a quick fire round to really mix things up. I'm definitely excited to get going with it all, but before we do, I'd love it if you could subscribe and hit that notification button so that you're not missing out on any of the episodes that we upload. For now, thanks again for tuning in sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast. This week I'm joined by founder and CEO of Caritas Neuro Solutions, Lee Fell. And as a first for us, um, and part of our new format, I'm, I'm pleased to welcome back on the show one of our first ever guests, uh, Adam Walker. Um, so Lee, Adam, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are Thank you, James. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be involved. Well, look, it's good to, good to have you back on on, on the uh, the show, Adam. And um, look, I'm sure that you'll be able to pitch in with various uh, science based um, sort of questions that perhaps sometimes I miss. So it's it's great to have you on board. Uh, but Lee, I've, I've given you a very quick introduction uh, there. So Caritas uh, Neuro Solutions. But look for for our audience, um, give us a bit more of an insight as to to who you are, who the company is, and, and what you guys are doing. Okay, uh, well, I'll start off with my background. Then I've been working in the clinical research industry for 13 years now. Um, come through the ranks, really started off in data management and worked through uh, trial coordinator roles and monitoring and then project management um, before starting up Caritas. So actually most of my background was in oncology trials, um, but then when, when I started up Caritas, my first role was actually on an epilepsy study um, and that kind of really resonated with me. It was a cannabinoid study in epilepsy and um, it resonated because my brother actually used to have epilepsy when he was little and so did my uncle and at that point I realized that um, kind of all the all the illnesses that have happened in my own family have been neurological there's been Alzheimer's strokes depression epilepsy so uh, that's why I decided to focus on neurology with uh, this company so that's that's where we've got to so we um do oversight of clinical trials management uh, project management monitoring and um helping with other other departments as well so yeah very good to hear and look in, in the name i guess look, it's, it's something i always get asked as a, a, a the, the company owner um yeah where where did the name come from because I think when Adam first mentioned the name I was like I, I think I've heard that name uh, if you recall Adam. I thought it was actually a, another recruitment business uh, like myself and um, so look, where did where did the name originate from? Yeah so it is a it's a Latin word that is used um, I think in, in quite a few organizations I think it means mostly charity um, but for me it was part of our school motto so our motto was ex cordi caritas which means love from the heart Mm. Um, so I've taken the, the meaning of love for all the Caritas part, meaning love for all. Um, so um, that's that's kind of encompasses the ethos of the company. We want to look after all of our people from our employees to our clients and obviously the, the patients at the end of the day. So that's the, the ethos of the company. Is, um, and as an, an interesting aside, James, it just happened to be the uh, motto of my school as well, Caritas. Oh, did it? Did it? Was it yeah, okay. and, and and we use it as charity or caring. I went I went to a, a Catholic school in Brighton, and mm. uh, that immediately caught my eye as well. And it 
just yeah. resonated interestingly as a as a point of connection but um it's a great name and i think it absolutely speaks to what what you're doing as a company lee oh thank you yeah it does it, it seems i think the word resonates with a lot of people and, and with the mission that a lot of a lot of um people have so yeah Look, and I, I always think that that is a, a great place to start with, with the company name and where it's originated from and going back to, I guess, your, your school days. Because, um, look, no one starts out as a founder of a business or a CEO um, unless you're one of these YouTuber whiz kids these days. Um, but, look, um, you know, to, to sort of go back in time and, uh, you know, to school days, college, university, and have a bit of a rewind, how did you first get into the industry? As you explained a moment ago, you've kind of have got, gone through the, the clinical ranks, really. I mean, we, we focus heavily on recruiting within the clinical field, so CRA, CPMs. You've kind of gone through all of that, but did you always want to go down this route? What was, what you know, what was um, the life plan for yourself uh, back then? Well, actually, when I was at school, all, all the way through school, I wanted to be a vet. So, yeah, animals were my thing. Um, mm. And I was dead focused on that. So I, I studied all the sciences That's um, and then sadly didn't didn't make it into the vet course. So I did biology and came out of uni, just applied for anything and everything to do with science, basically, and, it, and ended up in this industry, just um, sort of by default, ended up in, in a data management position. And then it just kind of went from there. I actually had no idea that the industry really existed before before I was in it. So, yeah, um, but it's just um, so instead of doing kind of animal uh, um, medicine, I've kind of moved into the human medicine field and then might obviously um, I believe that everything happens for a reason and that I've come to this point um, in my career to, to make a difference in the world. So, yeah, that's I believe that although it's not what I originally set out to do, I think it's it's worked out for the best. So, yeah. Amazing stuff. And how, I guess, talk us through some of your, your progression along the, the, the way, because um, as I say, look, no one starts out as, as a CEO, uh, CEO. So, you you know, it you made that switch from going into, um, you know, being a, a vet, you ended up in, in the world of uh, clinical research, clinical trials. Early on, you were in data management and then moved into kind of a, a CRA-based uh, role. What, I guess, what was it about yourself that has allowed you to, to make those steps up? Because, look, for me, as you know, I've always been in, in sports or in, you know, sales, and my performance pretty much dictated my you know, I guess increase in pay or an increase in status uh, within a, a company. Um, how how did it work for yourself going through the ranks? Um, for me, I think I've just always been a person who was looking for the next challenge. I've always had a kind of sporting background as well and just always looked for a challenge. And I guess that that was, um, yeah, I, want, I wanted to work my way up the ranks, definitely. I wanted from early on, anyway, I wanted to do, project management um so I had that goal in my mind I never I never had a goal of wanting to start a business so I don't know where that came from really but um just um yeah by so whenever I chose jobs um I never um whenever I changed uh, positions and companies I never took a role based on the money I took a role based on what I would learn um and um what what experience I could gain from that so I mostly went to really small organizations where you get far more variety of 
experience. Um, but I have worked for big companies as well and, and uh, worked for the NHS at one point. So um, yeah, it was mostly about just, just trying to get absolutely as much experience as possible. And that by by default, then you, you sort of become more, um, you know, you're able to, to take on more interesting roles and you are more readily able to, to move up just sort of by by default because you've got experience that, that other people maybe don't have. So yeah, it's just worked out by by trying to challenge myself and learn new things that um yeah moved up that way. It sounds very much like you're you're comfortable in being out of your comfort zone. If yeah, I, can, I think if I, I can pick up yeah, on that. Yeah, funny that you say that because I think I'm <laughs> I prefer that than than sitting in my comfort zone. So yeah. And I think it's a common thread that we see a lot with consultants particularly, but but the risk takers and those that are out of their comfort zone more regularly are those that climb faster, but also I think build build a much stronger shield of armory around them, you know, with which you can then pursue your career further. Um, there are an awful lot of similarities between how you described that and 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 my own experience as well. And I think I think it really speaks to, you know, some of the some of the skills, but also I think that more importantly, the qualities that you need to to yeah. take on the role that you have and and to really have the belief behind you to to take that forward. Yeah, that that's fair? really interesting that you say that because I guess, yeah, by doing that, you do build up a kind of resilience, don't you? And, and I think yeah. you need to have a certain amount of resilience to build a, a business. So, yeah, I guess that's where it's come from. I hadn't really thought about that before. <laughs> and I think what I, what I took from that there was, um, and I, I've recently been having so many conversations about it, about going somewhere to, to learn rather than to just earn. Um, you know, I've always been in favor of smaller, more entrepreneurial companies because I kind of, I wanted to, to know how things run from behind the scenes. I wanted to get a, a little bit involved in, in everything. Um, yeah. And I think even before that, um, you know, when I was a, 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 a student um, and, you know, probably wasn't the best mix. I was a, an, an international boxer and, working at McDonald's uh, and I know that Adam funnily enough uh, had also worked at, at McDonald's before getting into I guess full-time employment but one thing that I took from McDonald's was the business systems there are just incredible you know yeah. people often you know badmouth McDonald's and, and how it works but there's they're, they're clearly getting something right because it's certainly not the best burger in the world but they are selling millions of them daily um, and it's the business system so i think you know your your methodology there of going where you're going to learn rather than just where you're going to earn is spot on i think ultimately ultimately it, it reaps dividends and it reaps its rewards because people remember you but also i think you never lose that learning it becomes part of your experience doesn't it and and it that then becomes the the things that you can call upon in those experiences back as to you know how to how to deal with new situations when they come upon you because invariably you'll have dealt with something that's similar to that or or a similar sort of situation whether it's personal professional you know and all the all the pieces of touch around that so Absolutely. i think you make a really good point there james most definitely and look so you you that you you climbed through the ranks um you know it was clear that you were perhaps strategic in, in where you went and what you was going to learn um you know what was it that enabled you to kind of perhaps have that bigger vision or did you at that time did you always know that you were you know planning to 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 go it alone because like for me i didn't it kind of my, my job had run its course and i didn't really know what to do and and the option that i had was 
start my own business. How how did you know Caritas come about for you? For you? Was there a, a a particular day or a moment that you know led you to it? Yeah, I think there was. I remember one very clear moment, and then other another couple of factors that fed into it. So the very clear moment I remember was um, actually being at the Scottish Life Science Awards dinner um, mm-hmm. and listening to somebody speak um, who had started a, a social enterprise and he was a, a scientist that had started a social enterprise type business where um, they were selling pharmaceutical products to um, sort of uh, third world countries at, at, at rates that they could afford, but that allowed them to develop their own kind of businesses and things like that. And anyway, without going into too much detail about that particular business, I just remember being absolutely awestruck by this gentleman who was speaking and um, just so inspired by the fact that you could make such a difference to people's lives. And I mean, I knew that we were making a difference in in making cancer treatments but just he had made such an impact on the world and that just um really inspired me and I thought I I want to do that I want to make a difference like that um and then there was two things like the company I was working for at that time um just had the the most amazing managers the most amazing senior management team and I really looked up to all of them I hugely admired all of them um and wanted to follow kind of in their footsteps and two of them are, are now um, on my um, non-executive uh, board um, because I just admire their them, their leadership style so much um, and then I went to a company that um, I was maybe not so enamored with the senior management style and I think um, that made me want to develop a com- company that would look after people in the way that 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 previous company I'd been at um, had really inspired me so yeah that's what it was it was just being so inspired by these, these other people that had gone before me um, yeah I wanted to do that and to make a difference so. what, what talk me through the day that you you made was it was there one day where you were like that's it I'm I'm leaving the job I'm I've, I made a decision you know you decided to go out and do it because it's it's not quite the the fairy tale story that no. some people think becoming an entrepreneur I remember myself you know setting up a bank account setting up all of these little things and just thought oh, I didn't have to deal with that as a as a sales rep or as a, as a standard recruiter um you know talk talk us through I guess that initial phase when you were like yeah I'm, I'm gonna do it you know I'm gonna take over the world whatever it was um talk us through that initial yeah, so I mean, um, I had the idea um, fairly early on and had sort of created a little logo and things and I had a whole little plan of what the business would be, but um, I wasn't really in a position to just quit my job and and um, go in and start the business. It was a while before I kept applying for freelance roles to get out of the, the permanent cycle and get into the freelance roles. Yeah. Um, so it took me a while to, to make that that jump um and then once I did um it, it wasn't that I had any um money to sort of you know I didn't have a pool of money that I could invest in, in building the business so I've had to continue doing the freelance work um for for the, the most part to to cover you know my paying the mortgage and and things yeah. like that so um that took up obviously most of my time so it was kind of in the early days certainly it was building the business um 
on the side kind of in my own in my own time out with um doing a day job <laughs> so that's that kind of you know it's tiring doing that and you have to um because I was switching uh, therapeutic fields as well I had a, a huge um oncology network but I needed to build up a new neurology network basically so um you know it took a lot of plugging away at that for probably um three or four years just on on the side and um mm -hmm. we're in year five now and it's kind of at this point in year five that I've really seen over the last year um a, a big step forward in, in terms of um people know the name now and they've obviously been people have been watching it and been building the network over the years and just suddenly um there's a lot more happening now and it, that seems to have happened all of a sudden obviously it doesn't happen overnight but it feels in a way like I've been plugging away at it for <laughs> the way the way you describe it sounds a bit like you know if you can get through most most companies say if you can get through three years then you can get through um and what what you seem to be describing is really you're reaping the rewards and the dividends of of the effort that you put in over those years but also building that strong network yeah. and reminding people about the capabilities of service you as a you as a person but certainly caritas as a business and and yeah. that that there are common threads that run through that but particularly as you're saying now and i think james is probably going to move on to at, at some point talk about the impact of the pandemic but certainly overlaying that effort that's gone in over those first three to four years and then how that has translated itself as a as a springboard to to the last year 18 months I think yeah. it would be fascinating to hear a bit more about because it sounds like you've 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 done the hard graft you've done the hard yards and now it's it's the building it's the building phase isn't it yeah I'd say so and it seems like not only are we having more conversations now I've also got more of a team on board which is, has made such a huge difference um you know to have helping hands on board so um I, I know that you've been using the kickstart uh, scheme James and, and I've used that as it well, was using um so yeah it's been it's been great just to have these extra hands on board and we've been really lucky with um who we've we've managed to Hire as well, and and I've got more um, experienced consultants as well who are also um, you know taking taking ownership of various parts of the business as well. So yeah, it's just made such a huge difference too. I think just to add to it to what Adam said there is yeah I I kind of I, I I feel exactly where you're coming from with the networking side of things. If anything, when I started out, I was probably a little bit arrogant about how many people knew James Fowl. You know, a lot of my clients, they, you know, they would come to, to the business to, to, to do business with me. But then as soon as I, I left and, you know, had non-compete clauses, et cetera, et cetera, couldn't speak to anyone for, you know, close to a year. Um, yeah. It was very daunting time of can I pay the mortgage? Can I, can I go shopping? Can I afford groceries, et cetera? Um, so to get, as Adam says, once you've got through that initial period and you can start seeing light at the end of the tunnel and, and things start to grow it's just so rewarding um so look how are things i guess now going you know you mentioned the kickstart scheme i'm using that too which is yeah for any uh, of our audience who are not familiar with that it's a scheme for 16 to 24 year olds helping them back into the workplace providing six month placements to i guess just give them an insight into industry really isn't it lee it's it's a rewarding scheme both for them and for for companies you know smaller organizations like like us that 
kind of don't have buckets full of, of money to throw at the situation. Um, and it's just mutually beneficial. I mean, so look, talk us through how things are going, how, how you've been impacted by the virus, um, COVID-19 over the past yeah year, 18 months. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I must have been impacted. I, I feel like we there wasn't a huge impact to our business. Um, um, my work certainly kept going more or less as normal. I didn't have to travel as much, which actually was was kind of nice for, for a year. Um, but it, it didn't have a huge impact on our business um, directly. But I feel that obviously um, for the last four years, four or five years, I've been... Um, advocating for uh, more services for mental health and more mental health research and um, things like that and all of a sudden um, you know everybody gets it now that's come out of the um, the pandemic that everybody understands the importance of mental health now I'm, I'm sure people did before but I just feel like people really get it now, and, now isn't it I think there's more yeah. awareness with it and it's I guess widely accepted um that's a fair comment I, I think yeah so um because of that really um certainly we've had a, more um proposals coming in for for mental health studies which is really good for um depression studies and things which is a really good sign because we didn't see very many before um so yeah and I think there's also um it kind of looks the early signs suggest that there's going to be maybe longer term neurological impacts from covid and covid and, and uh, sort of neuroinflammation type long long-term implications of which um potentially could could mean that there will be more in the neurological space and 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 although um i obviously hope that people don't um have those long-term um impacts from covid i think that the the research that comes from that will hopefully benefit other indications, other illnesses in, in this space. And hopefully we'll start to really develop some new treatments for, for all these, these kind of neurological illnesses that have, we've struggled with up to now. So, yeah. Most definitely. And Adam, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know that you, you know, you're heavily involved in, in the industry, biometrics con consultant. You know, what are, are you, kind of you seeing from, from your side of, of the fence? You know, as, as a recruiter, kind of we I'm not front line on that sort of thing but um for you guys who are you know living it breathing it every, every single day what you know what would you add to that I'd, I'd reinforce the points that Lee's making the 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 variation and the diversity in work and opportunities and proposals that are coming through the door are extraordinary mm. and I think to to the point that Lee made around around the awareness of mental health I mean because we've been locked indoors for the best part of over a year, people have been looking to other means and tools by which they can get their support, their mental health support. You know, I've come across a, a number of fantastic patient apps and, and mental health apps. One of them is called Wobot, W-O-E-B-O-T. And that was the one that I just thought was fantastic. And so many of these patient apps in and around the mental health space are being enormously invested in at the moment. There's some incredible... Um, traction in in the industry at the moment around patient apps specifically around mental health mm. um, and I think that it's only going to continue uh, over over the next year or two as we you know navigate our way out of this because it's not going away it's not going yeah. away anytime soon and clearly the vaccine program is going to have an enormous part to play in in opening up society across the UK and across the world but the reality is is that we are going to have to live a slightly different type of normal and that 
that isn't really being translated into the public domain by by government and public speakers but actually i think those of us in in inside inside the uh, industry have a slightly different perception of it I, I don't know what your thoughts are around that lee yeah well actually just when you're mentioning apps uh, there and things i is it i mean i guess that's another aspect that's going to dramatically change is that the clinical trials will be more remotely conducted as well so there'll be a lot more um remote patient visits and things and they'll be using apps and um, you know, wearable devices and things like that going forward, I think, for clinical trials, I think um, that's one of the, the huge uh, changes that will have come from, from this pandemic. Um, and yeah, hopefully just more engagement with the patients through these sorts of things as well. I think that there is an opportunity here for to have more patient-centred clinical trials and yeah, certainly more collaborative. Here you only have to think about some of the language that now in the public domain that that we always used to take for granted being in science that is now everyday parlance you know things like um things like the word pandemic but but particularly you know who would have known what an r number was a year ago um and, and various other aspects of this you know we're all we're all back backseat scientists now everyone has an opinion about whether or not we should be opening up what what rules and regulations should look like but i think also to your point lee you know, the clinical trial space has absolutely transformed in the last year. We are all effectively, if, if you've chosen to take the vaccine or a vaccine, we are all effectively a living human clinical trial right now, you know, because there hasn't been particularly long-term safety data. There has been some, but certainly it's ongoing and, and most of the major pharmaceutical companies that are running vaccine uh, programs right now are doing that and will be doing that for some years to come. So many people are experiencing these things for the first time. You know, we, we're used to having regular flu, flu updates and, and flu virus updates in our bodies, but actually this is different. It feels yeah. different and and the dialogue around it is very different. It's public domain. You know, I turned on the news at lunchtime today and what's the thing that they're talking about at, at the dispatch box in, in, in PMQs? It, it's, they're talking about AstraZeneca. They're talking about the vaccine. It's all the language that we're hearing all the time. It's yeah. breaking down those barriers and it's making mm. these things more accessible yeah, think, to everyone. I think a lot of people just didn't really know that we existed before in this industry. And, and certainly my friends and family, a lot of them have had no understanding of what I did at all. And now at least they have a slightly better understanding of what I do. You know, it doesn't go right over their heads. When you must I, get it all the time, Lee, where people are like, now like, oh, that's what you do. Because, um, you know, my partner Lucy and I were walking our son to nursery uh, just earlier this week. And, um, you know, she works as a, a clinical business operations um, manager for IQVIA. And, and we had no idea when she was asking us, you know, what we did in recruitment. And she was like, oh, so you must know CRAs and CPM. I've never had anyone who knows about that. But, you know, since um, sort of the pandemic, more and more people are, you know, aware of trials. So, you know, in a way, the, the raised awareness is, you know, a bit of a silver lining that has come out of, of the pandemic. Um, you know, clearly you guys have been somewhat unfazed, um, Lee, um, with, with things. So, you know, how, how are things looking for you in terms of the business going forward now? Are you still working from, from home? What challenges has, has that perhaps thrown up? What are the biggest challenges that you've faced over the, the last uh, year, whether it's been training the, the new guys remotely or, you know, managing um, clients, et cetera, rem remotely? How, you know, what's, what's been the biggest challenge for you? Uh 
yeah, I mean, I was working from home before anyway. So in that respect, um, that's been okay. I guess training the the new people on the team, particularly the graduates. So I've got two graduates who are completely new to the industry. And it's I feel they've been fantastic. And obviously they're computer literate and things are better than, than we are. But um, yeah. just it's a shame that we can't sort of interact um, directly and, you know, show, show them everything that we're doing. And um, yeah, so that's that's really um, a shame. But we're, we're in constant contact and hopefully going to, be able to get the team together soon if, if everything stays as, as it is. So, um, yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things. I've actually, um, in terms of um, having conversations with various different people and networking and things, I, I've actually preferred it, all this being online because it's, it's a lot easier than running around to, to mm -hmm. different, different locations. Um, I really enjoyed seeing people's faces on videos rather than having... Um, telecons and things all the time so um yeah probably the biggest challenge has been just not being able to see my own team directly which is a shame um but hopefully hopefully that will will get better but um we're, we're finding different ways of working and you know I try and look for yeah the, the positives and we're trying to um we will we will stay a remote team um for the foreseeable because uh, most of us are quite spread out anyway we're not all in it Edinburgh, so um Instead, but, I guess look this is perhaps a, a bit of a selfish question I guess because look we're, we're also uh, remote and we've implemented some amazing systems for remote-based training and, and operating as a recru remote recruitment business um, but is there any tips and tricks that you would sort of give to our audience you know if they're also running teams uh, remotely that that you could perhaps pass on in in that sense you know in terms of you know, virtual meetings or anything like that that you've been... Um, I guess I don't... This is not a technology thing and it's a ridiculously simple thing, but we've mm. started doing this in our in our team meetings and this comes from... I've done a lot of kind of mindset training, as you can imagine, because I'm running a, a mindset company. So mm. um, lots of... One of the key things that um, you, you learn when you do mental health training is obviously um, to feel gratitude for... To, to feel grateful for the things that you have in your life, whether it's small, big things, family, it could be a nice cup of coffee in the morning. So when we have our team meetings, we start off um, going around everyone and, and just say two or three things that we're each grateful for. And I think that starts the, the meeting off on a really positive note. And mm. it also, you know, it's they're not work-related things. So, um, you know, you get to know each other a little bit as well and you know what's going on in people's lives. And I think that, I feel like that has worked well so far and I'd like to incorporate more things like that into our meetings. So yeah, I don't know if that's I'll think of that, but <laughs> no, look, I, I, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm smiling on the outside. I'm I'm smiling on the inside as well because I think I think to show gratitude and, and kindness costs nothing, but actually it shows humility and, and I think that demonstrates clearly the leadership that you have, but also that that you're looking to engender in your in your teams as well because what you put out comes back to you and i think this is something i've i've really experienced a lot in the last year you you talked about seeing people's faces you can you can you can really gauge quite a lot actually i think when you when you look at people's faces you see their level of engagement there's no hiding place when you're not on the phone and you have to physically engage for the entire time of the discussion. But also, you know, we're seeing each other's homes. We're seeing how people present themselves. 
I've seen a couple of people who've turned up on Zooms and I said, oh, my goodness me, crikey, someone could do with a shave. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or, or, oh, lockdown hasn't been so good for you. But, you know, I, I'm not judging by any stretch, but it's very interesting, isn't it? You know, when you haven't seen those people for a period of time and maybe the last time you saw them was in an office setting and then suddenly they're in front of you and they're on the screen. And um, it, it, it's, it's a completely different dynamic, isn't it? It's funny, the change of hairstyles, I think, has been the, the biggest thing for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. thank, thank God we're, we're gone from last year when some of the hair, haircuts <laughs> were absolutely horrendous. Um, so what? I'm glad that that is all, all, all gone now, at least. My, my barber tells me that people are having different haircuts. Clearly, I'm not. I'm going for a short one. But um, my barber tells me that people are, are liking and, and embracing the longer haired look now. So he's he's doing a lot more 80s and 90s styles, mullets and all sorts of other stuff going on. You'd be interested to know. Wow. <laughs> not on me, though. <laughs> so, look, Lee, I, yeah, I love that idea. It sounds like business is, is going well. You're growing. You're getting more people on board. You've got some some good... System, not just business systems, I, I guess mindset kind of systems through your background that you're implementing and I, I guess practicing what you preach, I, I guess, uh, which is always yeah quite refreshing to, to come across. Um, you know what what are your plans now moving forward? What's next for 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 you as an individual for for Caritas as a business? Um, talk us through talk us through your plans for the rest of this year and moving into 2022. Um, well, the plans for this year are to, um, yeah, just, well, we're doing a lot of proposals at the moment, building the business, really sort of getting our um, our structures in place and, and everything and, and um, ready to take on sort of bigger projects at the moment. It's been, you know, small bits and pieces of work that we've done, but we're, we're bidding on bigger trials now and uh, bringing in other vendors we're speaking to lots of, of, of vendors from different um disciplines so um yeah it's bringing all that together um and sort of getting some form of structures in place so that we can take on these these bigger studies when hopefully they become rolling in in the next Fingers crossed right <laughs> <laughs> and now you said it now you said it you've, you've got it recorded and you can play this back in a year's time and see whether or not you achieved what That's you were going for yeah I'll do that I'll do say that. it manifest it and see if it comes back there you go a, bench, a new benchmarking tool with a podcast <laughs> exactly so yeah and just and, and building the team still um, yeah so hopefully have a, a more people on board by the end of the summer I would hope but uh, yeah we'll see Fantastic stuff. Well, look, um, I guess look, it's been great to hear, I, I guess, about you, how the business started, how it's going and the challenges that you've faced, etc. Uh, which now brings us to, I guess, a new part of um, the show, new format. Obviously, having Adam on has, has been a joy. Uh, but a quick fire round uh, later, I guess, close, close us off for, for the afternoon or evening, as it is for us uh, guys in the UK. So, Lee, for our quick fire round... A uh, couple of questions for you here. Um, look, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Um, I think the thing that stands out for me personally, it is a very personal thing, but it's to not be ashamed of being the quiet one. I was always quiet at school and, you know, people make you feel like that's not the way you should be. But actually, I don't think that um, happened in management so interesting i read a piece recently about uh, how introverts are going to take over the world so 
Watch, watch this space. Hopefully those predictions come through. Um, look, my next question, uh, what are the top three qualities that you value most when building a, a team? You know, you've been doing it recently. What are the, the three top qualities that you look for? Um, I think openness, um, open-mindedness as well as openness and trust probably because you have to um you know trust you're you're kind of putting your baby out there to to the team your business and you have to trust that um you've picked the right people and they're good there and they trust you as well so yeah open delegation up. is an art isn't it it's an art certainly yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy but i guess once you learn to let go it's yeah. it's, it's certainly useful yeah. okay Question number three, what is the number one book or resource website um, that you would perhaps recommend for, for our audience working in clinical trials, clinical research? So, yeah, I was trying to think about this earlier. It's so hard to choose one book. Um, and you say the word resource. So I would say the most important resource is your own mindset. So I would say invest in your own mind and everything else will kind of take care of it. And that can be in whatever shape or form is right for you. It's different for everyone, but just invest in your, your mindset. Love that. Wasn't expecting that as an answer, but yeah, no, I like that a bit out of the box. Okay, and look, um, we've talked a lot about work and, and the business. What is your favorite thing outside of work? Um, my dog, uh, walking in the hills with my dog, probably. Good stuff, particularly at the moment where the weather's good, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Look, finally, to, to close us off for the for the show, and I think we're going to uh, make this a running feature with everyone that we have have on. What is your number one golden rule in life and in business? Uh, it's very simple. It's be kind. I think that's yeah. It's very underrated. I think it goes a long way, and yeah. Well, I guess, look, with what we've talked about and mindset and what you're trying to achieve as a business, I think it goes hand in hand with that. So that simplicity is fantastic sometimes. So I think that's a fantastic way to, to round off um, the show. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Adam, your input has, has been great. Um, and Thank you very much. I mean, honestly, I think I think the platform the platform was made for Lee, to be honest. You know, she's told a great she's told a great backstory, but also I think shown such a, a depth of humility in everything that she does. And Definitely. clearly, whatever, you know, whatever comes in the future will be based upon sound, sound business practice. But actually, more importantly, I think really, really important values that matter to her and matter to her business. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you deserve all the success that comes your way, Lee. Oh, that's very kind of you, Adam, and thank you, Dean. Thanks for having me on here. And I will definitely second that. And look, for, for our audience and anyone that's, you know, looking to reach out to you, whether it's, you know, on a, on a business level, mindset level, personal level, what is, is the best way um, to get you? Naturally, we'll share your website as, you know, any of the description here, but uh, what's the best way to, to reach out to yourself, Lee? Um, yeah, probably LinkedIn is, is the, the most successful way. Um, fire me a message, connect with me on LinkedIn and, and let me know um, where you're from and then we can we can chat further. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Lee, look, thanks again for, for coming on to the Huxley Morton podcast. Pleasure having you on. Uh, and look, clearly, Adam and I will now be watching your journey intently <laughs> to see if those predictions uh, are made a reality in, in the coming months. So, look, thanks, thanks again to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Lee. All right. Cheers, guys.